Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. You want to hear a good ghost story? I do. <laughs> okay. Well, I have a, uh, a actually a smattering of ghost stories. Ooh, nice choice um, of word. Because smattering, smattering, because politics are so dull nowadays. Um, I figured I would do. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh God! <laughs> I figured I would do uh, something um, to spice it up. I'm doing White House ghosts. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that the White House is very, very haunted. Nice. Yes. There are many former presidents that haunt the White House. People have seen the ghosts of Abraham Lincoln, Andrew Jackson, Thomas Jefferson, Joe Biden. Oh, wait, wait, no. wait. Joe Whoa. Biden's not dead. <laughs> and how are these ghosts all getting along with each other? That's from, a uh... great question. That's a really good question. In fact, I pose it throughout my story. So, yeah, there's claims of people hearing Thomas Jefferson playing his violin People have claimed to both see and hear Andrew Jackson stomping around in his bedroom, laughing and swearing. Whoa, fuck I, off. I did hear he had quite the temper. Yeah, he did. Of the White House ghosts, Abraham Lincoln is probably the president seen the most in the White House. Yeah. The Lincoln bedroom was actually the room that Lincoln used as his office. It was not used as his bedroom. And I'm, in fact, I wasn't sure what bedroom was used as his bedroom. I tried to find that, but I couldn't do, I couldn't find where his actual bedroom was. Maybe I didn't spend enough time on my research, but it wasn't that pertinent to my story. So his office was later converted into a bedroom. And because Lincoln had used that room, they named it the Lincoln bedroom. It is said that that is where Lincoln is most commonly seen, and in fact, the first person to see Lincoln's ghost was President Coolidge's wife, Grace. She claimed she saw Lincoln looking out the window of the Oval Office. This sighting was followed up by another first lady, Lady Bird Johnson. She claimed that one night when she was watching TV, when a show came on about Lincoln's death, she started to watch it, but she started to sense that Lincoln was actually in the room with her. My guess is he, he was also watching the show because he wanted to see exactly how his assassination yeah. went down. And he, he probably doesn't popcorn. remember. Yeah. He's he, like, you know, I didn't get any popcorn at the theater that <laughs> day. So. Yeah. He's probably like, how did I die? Like, you know, he probably was interested to see what happened wow. um that's my guess queen wilhelmina of the netherlands claims that she was in bed one night at the white house when she heard a knock on her door and when she opened it lincoln's ghost was standing right in front of her complete with his top hat oh <laughs> she said she passed out from fright when oh. she saw him he's like well hello there lady he's like i was wondering if you tonight. you wanted some company <laughs> four scores and seven years ago I Don't used mind to live the here. top hat. It yeah. never comes off. <laughs> and another sighting was by British Prime Minister Winston Churchill. He claims that he was taking a bath in the White House while smoking his cigar. After he got up and towelled himself off, he wandered into his bedroom stark naked. <laughs> he looked over to see Lincoln sitting by his fireplace. Then Winston Churchill claims that he said, Good evening, Mr. President. You seem to have me at a disadvantage. <laughs> but I personally think he should have said, Good evening, Mr. President. 
It seems you discovered my secret weapon. Oh, or he could have said, good evening, Mr. President. I know it's cold in here. <laughs> That's even better. Okay, so White, those, are great. those are fun. White House staff have also claimed to hear Lincoln pacing up and down the floor in unoccupied rooms. Ronald Reagan's dog, Rex, who was a cavalier keen Charles Spaniel, would run around the White House and go into each and every room except for, you guessed it, Lincoln's bedroom. Mm. Instead, the dog would just stay outside the room and bark. Psychics believe that Lincoln has stayed at the White House to be around when he feels he is most needed, like during times of crisis. So he's there right he's now. He's there all the time. <laughs> he's constantly been there for years. However, perhaps Lincoln, or more likely his wife Mary, opened up a doorway for Lincoln to stay attached to the White House forever. And I think you know where I'm headed because I think you covered this in our seance episode. Mm -hmm. So um, it is widely known that Mary Todd Lincoln suffered from severe grief after her three-year-old son Edward had passed away from either tuberculosis or thyroid cancer. Historians are not quite sure. After Lincoln took over as president, their next son, William Wallace Lincoln, or Willie as they like to call him, also passed away, this time from typhoid fever at the age of 11. This really sent Mary reeling, and she set out the help of spiritualists to come to the White House to perform a seance so that she could connect with her deceased sons. Mary was so into these seances and believed in them so much, she actually conducted eight of them at the White House. She claimed that the seances worked, so she sent her sister a letter, and she said, quote, Willie lives. He comes to me every night and stands at the foot of the bed with the same sweet, adorable smile he always has had. He does not always come alone. Little Eddie is sometimes with him, and twice he has come with our brother Alex. It is purported that Lincoln did attend at least one seance, but he was more skeptic than believer. Though some say it was the spiritualist that told him that if he signed the Emancipation Proclamation, it would be the most important thing he would be known for from his presidency. Right. That's yep. kind of cool. I had put that in my Did you? Yeah. Uh, story. That yeah. was amazing. Yeah. But they were right. Part of it, and they yeah. were right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So even before the Lincolns had entered the White House, President Pierce's wife, Jane, had conducted seances in the White House in order to contact her late son, 11-year-old Benny, who died in a train accident. So this White House is not good for 11-year-old children, apparently. 11-year-old no. <laughs> boys, anyway. She even invited the world-famous Fox sisters to come and perform a seance in order to help her connect to her son, who was her last living child, which is just terrible. She also believed that the seances helped her to connect to her deceased children. Another ghost that haunts the White House is a man named David Burns. He was the original owner of the land that the White House sits on today. George Washington called him the obstinate Mr. Burns because of his slow willingness to sell. I wonder if the Simpsons. That's what I thought. That's what I thought too. Burns Mr. Burns is, is kind of the obstinate Mr. Burns. Yeah, yeah. Characterized a little bit by him being yep. obstinate. Anyway, many witnesses in the White House have heard a disembodied voice say, I'm Mr. Burns. Whoa. Another ghost believed to haunt the White House is that of a woman named Annie Surratt. You see, Annie's mother, Mary Surratt, was to believe to have been one of the main people involved in the assassination of President Lincoln. People have claimed to see the ghost of Annie pounding on the front doors to the White House, asking for her mother to be released before she is hanged. Apparently, that did not work out for Annie because her mother was among four people that were hanged 
for the assassination of President Lincoln. I have to wonder if the ghost of Annie ever bumps into the ghost of Lincoln at the White House. How awkward would that be? Well, that's why Lincoln just sticks to his room. <laughs> he doesn't want to have to deal with Annie. Yeah, he's like, I've had enough conflict that's in my right. life. Your mother is the reason I'm this. here. Yeah, and she's like, no, I swear she had nothing to do with it. Annie, I know she did. I saw the TV special about my dad. <laughs> yeah. And, and don't worry. I only need to come out to use the bathroom once in a while. But otherwise, <laughs> I will be in my bedroom. That's right. I won't bother you at all. I'll be in the Lincoln bedroom. So uh, the next story I have is Jenna Bush, daughter of former President George W. Bush. Did she die? Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> she's I still, was like, oh, my God. She's still very much alive and on the Today Show. Um, she claimed that one night both she and her twin sister, Barbara, were asleep in the White House. She said in the middle of the night, her phone rang. She was going to answer it when she heard some 1920s piano music coming from inside her fireplace. Ooh. According to Jenna, her sister, Barbara, who sleeps across the hall from her room, heard it too. She swears it was not the Secret Service playing with a radio or anything like that. They have never been able to determine where the music was coming from. That is a cool story. Yeah. So she swears that it's haunted. Her mom, however, has not backed her up in the media and just said, oh, you know, teenagers say stuff. <laughs> yeah, like they would be listening to 1920s music. Right, exactly. <laughs> First Lady Dolly Madison was furious when she learned that First Lady Edith Wilson had decided to deconstruct her rose garden that she had worked so hard to have built at the White House during her husband's presidency. So she confronted the two gardeners that Lady Wilson had hired and asked them to stop doing what they were doing, as there had been a great deal of work building those rose gardens, and she did not want them changed. What were they doing? Just rearranging they it? They were going to rip them out and put something <gasps> new in there. Oh. Yeah. The two gardeners complied immediately, being that Dolly Madison had been dead for 64 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they'd be like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. You're, we can see through you <laughs> to the other side of the yard, and it's freaking <laughs> us out right now. Yeah. And those pesky British troops are still trying to fuck with the Americans after all what? these years. Yes, apparently a British soldier is still trying to burn down the White House. He has been spotted several times. Oh, no, that was just a rioter. <laughs> yeah. He has been spotted several times trying to light the White House on fire. The belief is that this British soldier helped start the fire on the attack on the White House in 1814 and is very upset that the job still isn't finished. He was caught during the Truman presidency trying to set a bed on fire. No word on where they held his ghost for trial or if he was simply banished into the basement to live with the demon cats. Which brings me to Carol. Demon cats. Demon cats. Yes. My favorite part of this haunted story of the White House. The demon cat. Josh, can you throw some cute little cat meows in here? That'd be great. Meow, meow, meow. Back in the mid-1800s, people brought cats down to the tunnels underneath the Capitol building to hunt the rodents that lived underneath the city. Are there tunnels under the White I House? Get, yeah, I guess so. Oh. I guess. Um, or at least under the Capitol building. They believe this may be the supernatural origins of the demon cat, that it was one of these mousers that, upon its death, chose to stay and haunt the White House and the Capitol building, rather than moving on to the next plane of, ex of existence. 
They believe the demon cat's main home is a crypt below the Capitol building. Apparently, when first seen, the cat appears like a harmless black cat or kitten and about the size of a regular house cat. However, when looked at for any longer period of time than a few seconds, the cat becomes something else entirely. The cat what? will morph into a 10 by 10 tiger-sized animal <gasps> and then pounce at its victim, but always disappears before it strikes. Oh, wow. It can be like a super cat a super Avenger. Cat. Yeah. Um, and I hate to bring this up, but it's a black cat. I don't. don't it's a black don't, cat, Holly. Don't. All of our Carol, stories, the Carol, cats are black. Carol. I know we don't want to call attention to that. not going to. But I've noticed that. No. Josh, take all that No. <laughs> it's a black cat, people. Apparently, the cat is usually spotted just before a major tragedy, kind of like Mothman. He was seen before the 1929 stock market crash, hmm. the assassination of Lincoln and JFK, and so on. So it's a demon cat. Exactly. The story goes that when fired upon by guards, the cat will disappear. One guard had even had a heart attack after seeing the cat, probably from fright. Well, yeah. I mean, could you imagine if it turns into a gigantic tiger? It would be pretty scary. I agree. Yeah. But one not so paranormal explanation for the origins of Demon Cat comes from the U.S. Capitol Historical Society. Apparently, congressmen would call in favors of the Capitol Police to hire friends and relatives in security positions. The men that were hired tended to be heavy drinkers. So the theory is that one of these men got drunk and passed out. He was awoken by a cat licking his face and through his drunken haze, decided that it was a giant cat and then tore through the town to tell everyone what he had seen. When he told his boss what he saw, his boss sent him home to quote unquote recover. A mental health day. But the point was he was sent home. So suddenly mm. the other guards also started saying that they too saw the demon cat. Everyone wanted a day off, probably to do more drinking. I love that <laughs> alternative story. That is so great. So maybe there is no such thing as a black demon cat. Maybe it's not real. And that explains why our Congress is always out on vacation. Because of the demon cat. They have to just, you know, vacate right. occasionally. Right. They have to get out of there. <laughs> that I is love it. The ghost stories of the White House, Carol. Well, those are great. I've never heard those stories except for, you know, the Lincoln ones. Right. But um, I which didn't know it plenty. was so crowded in the White House. So my story today is on the Gettysburg Ghosts. Um, Civil War's most historic and bloodiest battle took place in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. 51,000 soldiers lost their lives wow. in a three-day fight starting on July 1st in 1863. Wow. It was fought between the Union and Confederate armies. The Civil War in total would see 620,000 total souls perish. So 51,000 just there. Just there. Wow. But the amount of carnage at Gettysburg was a complete bloodbath, and it was a decisive turning point for the Union Army, which defeated the Confederate Army. A battlefield like this would certainly hold the desperation and emotional residue of all of those who fought and died there. So it's no wonder there are so many sightings and stories of ghosts. It was said besides the bodies piling up in the sweltering heat, there were over 3,000 dead horses oh, that had been shot or wounded and had to be buried. Oh, my gosh. Or burned. They oh. had to burn them. 
The odor was so sickening, many townsfolk and remaining soldiers grew ill from the smell and the horror of the carcasses and body parts piled up, some reaching six feet high. It was impossible to bury them proper. Townsfolk and the survivors would carry a hanky pressed to their noses soaked in rose or lilac water. Many bodies were hastily buried and most were buried twice. The Union soldiers were exhumed and re-entered into the new consecrated National Cemetery once the war was over. And the Confederates, um, their families, they couldn't get them, you know, re-entered until the winter was over and they could make their way back. But they did finally exhume most of them for their final resting place back home in their home states. Okay. So, you know disturbing the dead was a big thing there right yeah um mark nesbitt author of ghosts of gettysburg has collected so many ghost stories from visitors and residents in the town that he has written eight books already on all the paranormal events that happened and are still happening today most of my information comes from the books of which i have read the first two in the series so when tourists first come to gettysburg they always say where's the battlefield they want to like have it pointed out to them sure And while there is a field where a lot of the battle took place, in truth, it really was the entire town. Um, Fighting was just everywhere throughout the whole town. A population of about 2,400 residents uh, were there at the time, and and there was about 400 structures. So it was a pretty good-sized little town, you know? Yeah. And at the time, there was no distinct boundaries that kept the fighting contained into this area. Right. So, so it was just wherever the whole... How many people live in the town of Gettysburg now? I don't know, but now Gettysburg is a college town. Oh. So, and a lot of the buildings still stand or were built on the remains of the dead. Oh, Actually, wow. Gettysburg College uh, was used as a field hospital for the wounded soldiers on both sides. Wow. And it has spooked many employees and students because of all the ghosts that they say reside there. Right, but it does. So that entire town is essentially built on top of a graveyard, essentially. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so some of the, you know, buildings, they say, are just steeped in ghosts. I bet. I bet they are. It was said that two college employees were working on the fourth floor, and it was late at night, but they were leaving together, taking the elevator down to exit on the first floor. The elevator, though, continued moving below the first floor, and so they pushed again the button for the first floor exit, thinking, hey, we just hit the wrong button. But when the elevator reached the basement level and the doors opened, they saw a most horrific scene of wounded, bloody men and doctors performing surgery among screaming men, amputating their limbs and tossing them in a corner. Oh, my God. Could you imagine walking in on that scene? What a horror movie. Jeez. Yeah, and they said that as they were taking in the scene, one of the doctors looked up at them and started to beckon for them to come help when all of a sudden the doors shut again. (laughs) So they were then taken back up to the original first floor. But needless to say, I think they only used the stairs after that incident. Yeah, they were like, no thanks, I don't need to go back on the elevator. (laughs) That was so awful. That's that's so creepy. And I I guess a lot of these amputees that they... or amputations that they performed were done without even any anesthetic. Yeah. Did they even have that back then? I don't think so. I think maybe they did, but it would have been in short supply for something like that, for sure. Yeah. It's called old-fashioned whiskey. 
Yeah, yeah. It call it's called men that are tough as nails to go through that. Oh shit. my god. Yeah, reading about this uh, makes me realize like we could never be in a war like that again. No, no. And they had brutal weapons. They had like this triangular uh, baton type thing that did some really, you know, cruel damage to your organs and like these canister um of like these balls that all shot out at once and just blew apart your limbs and Ugh. it was horrible yeah like mini cannons you know yeah yeah so okay back to the story i was getting too involved in the <laughs> in the drama of it it was said the old dorm of the college now called pennsylvania hall was used by general robert e lee to watch the progression of the battle he was a general of the confederate army a professor at the college, Dr. Charles Emmons, talked about students who have written papers on their experiences with the ghosts they have encountered on campus. He told of a testimony from a student that said for several nights in a row, he and his roommate both saw the same apparition. They said they saw a man standing up in the cupola of the roof, and he was dressed in what looked to be a uniform of old time period, and he was very pale, they mm -hmm. said. So he was waving his arms back and forth as if to get the attention from someone. And the boys said they did call out to him but heard no answer. And yet they saw him repeated, you know, his yeah. motion, waving his arms back and forth, yeah. um, just in this continual frantic state. So, scared of the bizarre scene, they just returned back to their dorm room. Mm -hmm. Every night, they said, though, they saw him in the same spot, seeming to signal a message to someone out in the darkness that they couldn't see. So, the roommates started sharing their story. And from what they heard, others on campus also had seen this figure. Mm. And the professor said that long after the two boys graduated, he's still hearing of more sightings of the same apparition huh. reported among the students. So, yeah. I mean, do you think it was General Robert E. Lee asking for a timeout? No. You, know, like the, you see the coaches on the yeah. football field. No, hey, no. Hey, 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 time to time out. Like, we got, wow. we're losing this battle. Did he have a white flag in his hand? <laughs> No, but like his arms, like, you yeah, know, he, was, he yeah. was obviously really distressed by what he was seeing. So, oh, my God. Um, the library now, which was built in the 1970s, was on an area known as Stain Lake or Stein Lake, S-T-E-I-N. It would always be notorious for flooding as it was lower than most of the surrounding area. And it was said many of the bodies that were buried there were exhumed. Um, you know, before they built this library. Mm -hmm. However, there's no records that they were actually exhumed. So they don't know for sure. So they're pulling, um, a, pulling a poltergeist. <laughs> yeah. And it's said by the students there that there are constant noises of men groaning. And the building itself moves in what they describe as shuddering or tremors on certain nights. Huh. And, you know, I would need to check if they're groaning correlated to studying for finals week mm. like if there's any right you know because yeah. that could just <laughs> could that could just students. be students students like in oh, the library like no i'm gonna not pass my test. i can't study anymore <laughs> that's <laughs> probably what it is it is said though that when the library was being built the construction workers requested a minister to bless the area before they would even continue their construction work oh, so really? something 
was going yeah, on. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be any kind of construction worker, carpenter, anybody doing any kind of renovations on a building in that town. No that way. would be really rough. Tourists say there are many actors in the area that do reenactments, and they put in a lot of effort to make everything very realistic and authentic to the historical version of the battle. Mm -hmm. Author Mark Nesbitt tells of his time working for the National Park Service at Gettysburg, and he said that the park scheduled talks called The Living History, and a park ranger would get dressed up in costume and give half-hour talks reenacting old diary letters, battles, mm -hmm. um, stories from soldiers who wrote of their demise at Gettysburg. Mm -hmm. Well, it was a particularly hot and humid day in July, and several of the reenactors, um, they had had a day full of their talks and mm -hmm. were covered in sweat and grime from the day. A few of them decided to walk up to a hill called Little Round Top, which overlooks the battlefield, to relax and cool down as the sun was setting. Mm -hmm. After a few minutes, they heard some rustling in the brush down below them and saw a soldier from the Union side start climbing up towards them. Mm. Hello, fellows, he greeted them and exclaimed something about the weather being really hot and how it was a good fight, which they all agreed, taking in his very authentic outfit. Blackened teeth and stains on his face where the gunpowder was left from cartridges he had opened with his mouth. Huh. They were all thinking the same thing, and before they could comment on his amazing outfit and authentic items, he handed them a couple of rounds of ammunition, exclaiming that they will probably need them tomorrow. After that, he promptly turned around and made his way back down the hill and disappeared from their view. Uh. After examining the cartridges more closely, they were again amazed because it seemed that the cartridges were an exact replica of Civil War ammunition. Yeah. And Mark said, you know, the National Park forbade any of the actors to carry live rounds on oh, the field. Wow. Huh. So they're just, none of them had that for safety purposes. And yet they had these examined. These were absolutely real. Really? So that was a ghost. That wow. they all saw. Give them real life. Giving ammunition. them real ammunition. That freaks me out when like they can manifest real yeah, items. Yeah. That's insane. And you can touch and feel them. I never heard that happen before. That's incredible. Yeah, it's like the whole sand thing in the shower. Yeah. The ghost is invisible, but they leave the, a but, residue. But the sand is real. Right. Yeah. So the Union Army was considerably well funded by industry and had more resources and wealth than the South. I don't know if you've heard of this, but one of the most popular legends was that the Battle of Gettysburg was actually fought over shoes. Yeah, it, what? It is true that many of the Confederate soldiers were short on shoes. And it was stated in a report that on June 30th, Brigadier General Pettigrew took his crew to Gettysburg in search of army supplies and was to return that very same day. There was a ransom note given that involved 1,500 pairs of shoes, but they came away without anything and attacked the town just two days later. Wow. One ghostly sighting is of a barefoot man seen at a strategic place in the battle called Devil's Den. Nobody knows how it got its name. It was said to have been a grouping of very large boulders which allowed soldiers to climb up and attack from a height on the boulders or jump down to escape the fighting back onto the ground. Mm. There was a story of a young courier who insisted that he fight after his horse was shot down. It was said he climbed up on the top of the rocks but got his leg shot and fell all the way down. Oh. However, he still tried to climb back up. Oh. And just as he got to the top, was knocked down again by another shot to his other leg. Oh my gosh. This sounds like a Monty Python yeah. scene. 
Oh, doesn't geez. it? Why does he want to fight so bad? I don't know. But the last time he was seen, he was trying to call out, cursing and screaming for help, insisting that someone just push him up, push him back up to the top of the rocks. Wow. And several photographers have taken shots of the Devil's Den, only to be surprised by developed images of what looks to be a Confederate soldier. Huh. One tourist was aiming her camera at the rocks when a man came up to her and said, what you're looking for is right over there. And he pointed to an area away from where her camera was focused. When she looked back up at him, the man was nowhere to be seen. Other tourists have described seeing this man, and they all describe him in the same way, as a hippie-looking guy in ragged clothes, long hair, barefoot, and a dirty floppy hat and haggard appearance. I wonder if it is the young courier who died there. Hmm. It was said it was the Texans who fought for the Confederacy and were probably the ones who fought at this spot. They were normally unkempt and had longer than normal hair and were extremely ragged. They probably didn't have a good barbecue for many, many days. <laughs> they probably didn't. They need their meat, Yeah, those Texans. So the next story is about Stevens Hall, a beautiful large brick building with a colonial columned porch painted all in white. It was built after the war in 1865 and was used originally as a women's dorm and possibly orphaned children. The author says there weren't any records he could find that proved this was the case. So you're right. It was probably a brothel. <laughs> Anyhow, the rumor was on the third floor. It was dedicated to these children. What we do know is that it did at one time house younger students as a prep school for the college. And there already was another orphanage uh, in the town. So it was unlikely that they'd have to use their dorm, you know? Right. Unless they had an overflow. Maybe, yeah. So the sightings of ghost children, though, and women on the third floor do seem to lend some credence to the rumors. A story of one student who returned to her dorm room after a date said she opened her door on the third floor to find a young woman admiring herself in the full-length mirror she had hung on the wall. Mm, was her her roommate? Um, no. <laughs> her roommate was gone, she said, for uh -huh. the night. Just as the student tried to ask about her purpose, she ran into the clothes closet next to the mirror. Chasing after her, she pushed around all her clothes and shoes, but found no one hiding. Hmm. This made me excited. Maybe it's the door to Narnia. <laughs> yes. It's there in the dorm, people. Yes, yes. I knew that story was real. It was based on a true story. Another bizarre story tells of a college student coming back to her room to find another girl her age pulling out clothes to see which one would fit her frame. When she saw the student, the stranger darted into her closet again and after a thorough search could not be found. So this has happened twice. Okay. One story was of a young boy who was visiting the women's dorm on a wintry cold night. Hearing knocking from an impromptu search by someone in charge, the girl told the boy just to crawl out on the window ledge and hide until they passed by. But instead of letting him right back inside, they were told to immediately come downstairs for more questions. Worried about the boy's fate, as they were cut for more than an hour by the headmistress, she scrambled back to her room and opened up the window to fetch the boy into the warmth of the room, but he was gone. Mm. They never saw where he went, hmm. and there was no sign of footprints or any evidence of his fall. Oh. 
However, as time passed, a different student was studying at her desk when out of the corner of her eye, she sees a child's face peering at her through the window on her third floor dorm room. Oh, man. She immediately knew something was wrong because the little boy's face in the window was blue, as if it had been out too long in the cold. Yeah. When she tries to go over to the window to see better, the boy vanishes. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? Yep. So many students have seen him at different times at the window they've nicknamed him now the blue boy the blue boy it's called the blue boy the ghost yeah that's kind of creepy i know and the most recent sighting was from a student who was studying at her desk just a couple years ago it was a frosty cold night and everyone was inside so there wasn't anyone out walking the grounds she said that out of the corner of her eye she caught that boy's apparition floating outside her window when she gave him her full attention she said he slid away just outside of her view on the ledge Going back to studying, she sees him back into her view once again, and he was staring intently at her. Thinking she needed some sleep from studying too hard, she just got up and left the room to go get some coffee or tea. And then when she came back to her desk and was ready to focus again on her studies, decided just to glance back at the window to make sure, you know, she was just imagining things. Uh-huh. But instead, a chill crawls up her spine as she realized there was no face in the window, but scratched in the frost-covered glass with a childlike handwriting, the words, help me, Ew. appeared. I don't know with that story. If you're sitting there and you're studying and then you look over and you see this like child ghost peering at you through the window, do you keep studying? I know that that part of the story kind of annoyed me because I would maybe I would feel that way if I was really tired. I would feel like I was kind of in that hypnagogic yeah, yeah like half dream half, i just need to go get some caffeine I'll like i am i am to the point where i'm kind of sleeping dreaming yeah. with my eyes awake yeah That's maybe what i would think yeah but if i had heard these stories before yeah and they're circulating and the, yeah. i would know that was a ghost yeah huh so i don't buy that she left because she was just getting coffee i think she was scared as hell i would be like okay that's a little freaky yeah, yeah i bet she was hoping it would just leave or yeah. be gone and when yeah. she'd come back she could just go back yeah. to studying yeah yeah but the but the thing about him being gone and then the words help me i know that's creepy that's your typical ending of the perfect ghost story. yeah 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 isn't yeah. it it's it a is, little too perfect it's a little bone chilling yeah help me but yeah this this whole gettysburg town has so many ghost stories and some of the most popular ones i stayed away from just because other podcasts are covering it yeah but, yeah um i would encourage all our listeners to go check out mark's books absolutely i mean gosh there's eight of them that's a lot of ghost stories so wow there's a lot of history here and a lot of yeah. scary things that happen be so. a fun trip to take to gettysburg and kind of walk around mm -hmm. especially in october when was the Battle of Gettysburg? It was July 1st, uh, I wonder, 2nd, and 3rd. It oh, was three days in 1863, I believe. I wonder if it's uh, more active in July. Well, that story of the reenactors on uh -huh. the hill yeah, that saw that soldier yeah. was on the anniversary. It was in July. Oh, it was a okay. really hot day. Yeah. So I yeah. do think... That'd be the best time to go because then you might run, really run into a ghost. Yeah, and how many of these sightings of ghosts were actually just these reenactments going on and people are thinking they're seeing ghosts? What is that about? Just the historical significance of it? Is that why they do a reenactment of the of I think the war? people just want to feel like they understand what happened. Oh. And so they reenact the battle. Do you go and watch them? Yeah. 
So it's like watching a play in a way? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then there's a talk, and then you see the battle, and then maybe you'll have somebody in dress, like one of the townsfolk, come yeah. up and tell it from their experience because they have a lot of um, accounts of it in writing. And so they tell it for, you know, as like yeah. through the eyes of the yeah. soldier or through the eyes of the diary of the, right. of the lost widow. Right. Who, you know, lost her whole family. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you. Those are really cool. Yeah. Aren't you feeling really happy now and yeah. relieved that you weren't part of the Civil War? I'm very thankful I was not part of the Civil War. That sounded like one of the worst experiences you could go through. One of the things, too, is that people say they smell lilac or roses uh-huh. in strange places. Mm. And I'm thinking it's from the all the perfume that they were holding to their noses afterwards. Oh, right. Oh, my gosh. So you get the mountains of, of dead bodies. Mm-hmm. and Oh, jeez. Oh, I really like that. And thanks, Josh, for editing this <laughs> mess of an episode. And a special thanks to you, Josh, for all the work you're going to have to do on this <laughs> one. So sorry. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Though some say it was a spiritualist that told him that if he signed the... Im- oh, I'm going to say this again. <laughs> Sorry. It'll get better. This is my house, not your house. This is my land, not your land. This land is my land. This land is not, not your, your land. land. From the sky blue ocean to the deep held water. No, I don't even know the words. <laughs> so sad. You know, the Civil War's most historic and bloodiest battle was Gettysburg. Um, I mean, oh, fuck. Many bodies were hastily buried, and most were burned or not buried. I can't see. This is the the other fucking thing that happened. I put in two contacts of the same prescription. I was telling Holly on the way over here, I didn't notice until I was driving that I couldn't read anything. Yeah. So this is going to be a cluster fuck of a story. It was built after the war in 1865 and was used originally as a women's dorm and possibly... Brothel. <laughs> I hear women's door in my automatically think brothel. Brothel? Brothel? <laughs> Is that a brothel? Is that a brothel? It was built after the war in 1865 and was used. I cannot speak either. I, I cannot speak either today. It's crap. I know. This is a crap. What's wrong shoot. with my mouth? I, you got it from me. Ah. As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts, and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com, and you may hear it on a future episode.